Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mike Boris. Now, for a lot of people, quitting the corporate world to start your own business is for sure the dream. And if you can do it with your closest friends by your side, well, that's even better. Our next guests have done just that. We've got Bonnie Hindmarsh, Erin Kalis, and Lana Taylor. Now, they took a huge risk when they started their business, and it's called Three Birds Renovations, and it was started in 2014. With no experience in renovating, design, or running their own business for that matter, these three friends rely purely on a hunch. And lucky for them, it's worked out and it's worked out fantastically. In the last five years, they've renovated nine homes, amassed more than 420,000 Instagram followers, and have launched a successful online educational course called The Reno School. I want to ask Erin, Bonnie, and Lana how they built this successful business with absolutely no experience, how they grew their impressive Instagram following, more importantly, how do they build this audience of really willing followers who are desperate are dying to know the educational information that they provide and how they've overcome the challenges that arise when you're starting a business with your best mates. So what are the dynamics of making this work? So let's get into it. Erin, Lana and Bonnie, welcome to The Mentor. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. Thank you. You're welcome. Welcome, welcome. Okay, let's talk about it. I mean, your business is called Three Birds Renovations, I guess. uh, Well, I'd like to start off with where's the name come from? Who came up with that? It's funny. A a guy that I used to work with in my previous job, um, lovely guy, said to us, you know, one day we were coming up with names and we're thinking of a few things. He said, what about Three Birds Renovations? And I thought, oh, that's kind of catchy. And we, Lance and I loved it. Well, you texted it to me. I was on my way to a netball game and I received a text that just said Three Birds Renovations. I was about to go on the court and I just picked up the phone. I rang Bonnie. I said, that is it. That is it. I don't want to hear another word. I know a winner. That's it. But then we had to convince Erin because she doesn't like yeah. birds, like feathered birds. And my, it's, I'm not that comfortable around them. One of those, you know. They're scared of them. They're a little bit, I wouldn't say scared, just a bit. Lighty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You just don't know what they're doing. They're a bit. Mm. But my contribution to the business name had previously been the renovation company. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not in okay. marketing. I'm, I'm a nuts and bolts kind of person. And I think the girls were like, we've got to come up with something quick because she's going to stick with that. Yeah. So we held an intervention at a coffee shop, Bonnie and I did. And we just said to Erin, look, this is the name. We, it has to be Three Birds Renovations for this reason. It's a nod to our gender. It's the three, It's but it's not right in your face. It just felt right. And good on Erin. She said, 
okay, girls, whatever you think, I'm down with it. So immediately yeah. she understood that she wasn't the marketeer and she trusted Bonnie's and my judgment on that. Yeah. And the amount of headlines and puns and analogies of birds of a feather and singing to a new tune, it's it's actually really helped with um, writing and media. Yeah. yeah, really, yeah, really you good. You can play with it. You, you can. can. Other, or more importantly, others can play with it. Yeah. And uh, there's nothing particularly offensive that they can really come up with. So mm-hmm. I mean, other than gender style, but... I'm just watching the dynamics between the three of you, um, and I'm just and I'm looking at the dynamics between the three of you. And I've got uh, Lana sitting here with a, the brightest pink jacket on of all time, and then she just declared, as did Erin, um, that Erin's not the marketer, mm. um, and Erin's more subdued, like a suit or something. I don't know what you call it, but like a jacket and something, you know, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> basic, basic black and white. So pretty much, uh, and then I'm looking across here at uh, Bonnie, and Bonnie's um, neither one but mm. both at the same time. Oh, God, you just nailed that. Yeah. I sit right in the middle of the two of them. I do. We're, we're three. I'm usually the um, the person who who kind of lances up here, Ez is down here, and I'm like, come on, girls, we can get to here. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. how it, I, I, and I, when you first walked in, I thought, there's something, it's funny, you know, like I guess it's a bit like people and their dogs, they start to look like their dog. But like you guys. <laughs> well, I do have a dog name. <laughs> you, yeah, you guys, uh, for mm. some reason um, you look like sisters. Now I, I know, I know mm. you're not, but mm. um, it, and I don't mean that to be in an offensive way in any way or, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to pull it down, but there was a, a sense of uh, sisterhood between mm. the three of you and uh, you just nailed it then, Bonnie, by mm. saying, that you sort of sit between them. And I, I so the really important, these businesses work best when there's three people because three women or three blokes or whatever, mm, yeah. three many, yeah. is a t- very fucking hard it's thing tough. to work hard. You know, like it's get, you have to work at it and then it becomes a punish. Mm. And uh, I'm sure you guys have your moments, but uh, what is the dynamic? I mean, how does it work? Uh, yeah, look, I think. Um, is it one like, thing you raise all the time? Do oh, you, it's look. It's an ongoing. It's an ongoing. I wouldn't say issue, but it's an ongoing. Um, it's something that we do need to work on. You know, we're very mm. strong personalities, all three of us, in our own different way. But I think there's an absolute mutual respect there. We really genuinely respect each other. We love each other. We do. Yeah, we I like think the word. Mm. Um, oh my God, we are, we am I about to cry? We, no, we, we, don't, um, we don't have no. sisters. No, three, no, let yeah. her talk. I want yeah. to see her cry. <laughs> no, there's no, by the way, there's nothing wrong. I mean, I guess that was the very first, I mean, I, I, I got a feeling as soon as you walked in, the three, it's just there it was like you were like walked in in single file, but it looked like you are somehow all connected invisibly. Yeah. yeah. I think we might yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. God, look at it no, go. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. But there's nothing wrong. With, there's nothing wrong. With that. That's a huge advantage to have in a business. There's, it's the I best. I think it's, um, we have the same values where we are friends first and foremost, but holy Jesus, what yeah, just happened yeah, then? Mark, what have you done? I'm so sorry. It's, it's early uh, on for this. We have been through a lot and we've worked to really get here and to the place we are now, it's a fabulous place, but we've We've worked hard to get here and we understand each other, the way each of us work, and that's really important. Um, very dis- different personalities. We needed to do that in order to be where we are now. But what did you get out of this? I mean, obviously, I mean, everyone's got to realise their strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Um, all right, let me start with you. What's your strengths? I'm very creative. Yeah. Very creative, but I've, I also have a business head as well, you know, like I um, – What does that mean, though, when you say I, business? I, You're practical or – um, no, bigger picture, bigger picture yeah. more so for me. 
And also, I suppose I'm I'm that little bit more street smart, you know, like I'm if you stuck me in an alley, I'd probably be okay. I'd get out of that alley and I'd be okay. Um, so I suppose I'm more so the creative side. Lana definitely is no, a marketeer. No, I'll ask her, but what <laughs> yeah. is, what, that's your strengths. What are your weaknesses then? What do they complement you with? Operations. Which means what? Detail. Right. So Yeah. So when it comes to paperwork, when it comes to um, minute detail in regards to communicating something, that's where Erin comes in. Yeah, you know? that's what she's looking over at me. Yeah, she's I like, am. Yeah. But I, I'm wonderful. Because I, I keep watching you looking for affirmation across yeah. there in terms of what you're saying. Um, yeah. Um, and, and I suppose. Because you see that as a weakness in yourself? I do. I, maybe organisation. Um, I know that if you gave me a blank room and asked me to make it look amazing, I could make it look amazing. Um, if you asked me to give you the details of every piece of furniture, how much it costs and how many pieces were in it, no way. Hate that. Don't like doing that. Not my strength. Pretty fucking important. You've got to make a profit. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but that's why there's three of us. Yeah, okay. So let's yeah. let's move across. Like, uh, Lana, I can't remember what your – I should declare that I know Lana. I know her husband quite well. And uh, and I did talk to many, many years ago, and uh, she was talking about this. So <laughs> um, this business, um, and I remember saying stick to the, the cash flow that's coming out of your corporate business. But – what were you doing again? Yeah. What was it? What was it? Well, I sort of had a bit of a typical business upbringing, Mark, in that I did my business degree at uni, then straight into fast-moving consumer goods with Procter That's and right. Gamble and Unilever, and so I was out there selling supermarket goods. You know, your continental cup of soup, chicken tonight, Dove soap. That's hard stuff. That's, you probably don't eat. Yeah, yeah, it's very competitive. It's really hard, and you sell a lot at ninety-nine cents. And yep. it's so I really grew up in that world. And um, that's my background is just hardcore sales and marketing. Um, I've loved business my whole life. I love talking business. And to me, when we started this business, it actually didn't matter what we were selling. I loved the idea of going into business with these two girls and seeing what we could make of it. And I felt that we were going to be successful no matter what we were going to be selling. And it turned out that Bonnie's idea was let's style it to renovate houses and I said, I've got no experience, no sense of style, but I'm in like Flynn. And we kind of just went from there. And so what are your strengths? So, I mean, apart from um, you're, mm. you're being good at the, you know how to sell things, you know how to move things off shelves. So yeah. what are your strengths? I think um, what do you bring to my, the party? my energy, my energy and positive outlook. Mm. So I just don't fear anything. I don't fear, actually, I do fear something. I fear us not having a go and finding out how good we could be. Um, but Why does that translate into a renovation, though? Um, mm. I mean, like, what, you tell, tell the audience. I mean, what does that mean when you don't fear anything? Does that mean you say, oh, fuck it, we'll just buy that, doesn't matter, we'll make a profit? No matter no. what, or, or what does no. that mean? Opportunities no. that arise more so, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I think, you know, in the beginning it would certainly be supporting, you know, uh, Bonnie and Erin or, or Bonnie saying, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of doing this but I'm worried, you know, how it's going to turn out. Don't worry, it's going to be amazing, Bonnie. Um, or how are we going to go at auction? Don't worry. If the house doesn't sell, that's everyone else's problem. It's not a reflection on us. I know we've still done the best we could do. And so that's in that very microcosm of just a renovation. But where the business started to quickly go was well beyond renovations and into opportunities to influence way more people out there than just make a profit off a flipped house. And that's where I don't fear us putting ourselves out there trying something and it may be not, not turning out. And that hasn't happened very much. We've We've taken on opportunities, we've said no to things and the business has just gone from strength to strength. And I've always sort of could see it. I kind of can see it. I feel 
just one or two steps ahead of Bonnie and Erin, I see the success is right there. It is right there, girls. But they're, they're probably working right in the moment. They work heavily on the renovations more than I do now. And I'm working on that sort of the amplification of that. And I just... So you look after the branding? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so the, or you do all the, the all the Instagram and all the yeah, uh, I do all now. the socials. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I, your area of responsibility. Yes, yes. Again, okay, what are your weaknesses? Um, I think that sometimes I could be a bit of a bull at a gate. I could be a bit. Um, <laughs> well, they're laughing. As if say, <laughs> laughing you under, it, that's an understatement. It, uh, what, was, what was the word I heard? Sometimes like we're driving up a cliff. The steamroller. Yeah. They've in, said steamroller. In a previous life, she may be known as the steamroller. Yeah, and and sometimes the girls have said, Lana, it feels like we're in Thelma and Louise. You're driving us off a cliff, and we know you know where you're going, but we don't. Well, that's and not we're a good thing. <laughs> Mm. Right? We're afraid. And I'm not afraid. And I'm like, trust me, girls, it's going to be fine. Mm. So I think it's understanding different appetites for risk and for me to bring them on the journey rather than just drag them along and say and expect them to feel exactly the same way as me. I have to understand that they don't necessarily feel the same way as me, even though we've got all the same, you know, ambition to be successful. Uh, everyone is very different. And I think it's just remembering how different they are yeah. and bringing them on a journey, not assuming they're in the same mind space. So does as that me. require you to be uh, quite empathetic? Yeah, yeah. And was I that think a strength so. of yours before, though? No. So there's something you learn about yourself. Yeah, and I know it's something I've always had to work on: is that um, my leadership style and to flex my leadership style and to not just be me, um, because you can't just tell people what to do; they have to want to do it and to come along. The journey. Yeah, totally. They've got to be follow, they want, you've got to want them to follow you as opposed to be, be uh, led by you. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that, you know, in my corporate world where I had people working underneath me, that was one thing. But we started this business as equal thirds. There was no boss. It was just the three of us were all equal directors, equal co-founders. And to be honest, to help us through that, we've appointed a CEO because we needed a boss in the end. We craved a boss. I craved a boss so that they, she could tell them what to do. <laughs> <laughs> and you tell the boss what to do. No, no, I'm just joking. And so, and, and Erin, what yes. are your strengths? What do you bring to the party? Oh, I th- I, I'm very um, calm, very level-headed, very measured, very... Um, how does that translate into, let's say, yeah. just let's look at renovations, but how yes. does that translate into that part of the business? Um, it's, um, I'm really that nuts and bolts. So, so can we do it? Well, yes, we can do it. So let's, the very first reno we did, let's do it in six weeks. Everyone thought we were crazy. We're like, no, let's do it in six. We just decided six weeks. How are we going to do that? Well, well, I knew I was going to work out a way. I didn't know how, but I knew I was going to work out a way. What's your background then? Um, event management, worked in publicity, worked in, um, I've done a lot of, yeah, a lot of bits and pieces. Yeah. Community relations. Um, was an EA for a period of time, so detailed deadlines and getting things done. So if you said, um, gave me a list of 25 things to do in a day, I know I'd get them all done. Might not look pretty. (laughs) Bond would make it look pretty. Um, Lana might make it into this big extravaganza, but I know I'd get stuff done. So I have that confidence that that I can achieve whatever task. Oh, probably just getting bogged down in those details and, and getting bogged down in the control that you need to achieve that kind of detail-driven So what do you think these, so, okay, and I've just been through some strengths and weaknesses, but what do you think uh, these two to your left bring to you as an an individual? So I'm assuming you were just running on your own. What do you think they bring? They bring um, the creativity and the big picture. Right. Bond creativity, line of big picture. Right. So so I think that the, the, the core of the success of this business is the three of us. 
And would you all agree with this this assessment uh, by Erin? Do you all furiously agree? I completely agree. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And we have this this business. We've been up running for five years now. Five years just last month, and we have all grown as individuals. Yeah, we have all learnt from each other. Mm. I've learnt more in these five years than my whole career before that about not just about the business world, but personal growth. So I think what this business is that has given us that opportunity to grow as individuals mm. in the areas that we're lacking, you know, we've had to do some really hard work on us personally to maintain, as you can Im- imagine, um, three women with three independent lives, as close of friends we are, like family, um, slightly different appetites for, um, for work-life balance, different appetites for achievement levels that we're all going for, mm. but we've managed to maintain and, and well, continue and prosper. That, there's two really important points you just raised there. Mm. Um, achievement levels, in other words, mm. ambition. Ambition. Yeah. And um, the other one is work-life balance. I, I wouldn't mind exploring the, you know, because mm. our listeners always ask me about um, mm. ambition and always ask me about uh, work-life balance. Uh, what do you, do you guys actually sort of sit down and settle on what the work-life balance should be between for each one of you, or do you just run your own individual race? We've no, had to. Yeah. Um, it's it's varied over the years. Because you're going to have one pushing so, and the other one's going to oh, say, yeah. no, I've, you know, stuff yeah. that I want to go on long weekend. I, 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 I would yeah. say that's been probably our biggest struggle. Yeah. For getting, the, so getting an, a, an agreement, so to exactly. speak. Exactly. Because, uh, you know, as Erin said, we're so different. Lana would mm. work 24 hours a day every day of her life. Ez wants that balance. She really wants to have that balance with her family. And I suppose... You know, and I probably sit in the middle of the two of them once again. <laughs> but um, but I think that's probably been the hardest thing that we've had to juggle. But that's where probably why I got so upset before because mm. we've gotten to a place now where we're really comfortable with how we all need to work and so want get, to work. What were, the, what were the low points and the high points then in this process of uh, becoming look, agree, having an agreement? And that's an evolving thing, I guess. It is. But mm. Like, how does it's it work? It's evolved. It's really at, evolved. So, where? Did, well, give me an example mm. of a low point. We'll add each other's throats. And oh no, I think a low no. point was when um, so the business started. We worked two or three days a week. We had schedules, rosters. It increased. It, it organically increased. We all found ourselves working five days a week just to keep up with the business. And I probably had a bit of a physical meltdown and <laughs> just was like, oh, I can't do this. I, 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 I didn't come into this to work five days a week. I can't do it. I'm working seven days a week. And that's when we were like, the girls were like, stop. We so what stop. do you do? What do you do? We stopped. We said stop. And they, stop. they told you me to stop. That. They said, you stop. And I said, I need to work part time. And mm. they said, okay, well, we need to work full time and you need to work part time. Mm. Um, how does that work? And we worked that out. Obviously, how does it work? I mean, financially. Yeah, we created a shareholders agreement and it took us many years. We probably should Mm. have had that much sooner, but we were just (laughs) seriously working off the fuel of the friendship and the trust in the friendship where it was like, we don't need a shareholders agreement. And we eventually, I think, you know, three and a half years in or something, Mm. um, uh, engaged someone to write up an agreement and it allowed for flexible working hours where Erin yeah. could surge up to work five days a week if she wanted to, but we mm. really encouraged her not to because we just knew she wasn't at her best when she didn't feel she had time out for herself one day a week, two days a week, whatever it was that she needed. And for her family. And for her family. And mm. so we said, so we let's have a, a schedule where at the end of every year we kind of tally up, hey, how, ma- how many days on average did you work as versus Bonnie and I? And we just made sure that we were remunerated fairly. And so there's no then resentment, which I think could occur if you don't document it and don't feel that you're recognising mm. it. Then Bonnie and I would start to feel like, oh, this doesn't feel right. We're working a, a day extra than Erin all the time, but we're all getting paid the same. So we eventually 
had to um, work that yeah, out. Yeah, I put my hand up to say it's 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 it, it, I need to drop back, um, and I didn't want to feel bad for it. I wanted to be like, let's make this fair for everyone. So there has to be some pro rata remuneration situation. I'm not earning the same money you are. Blah blah blah. So we came to a really comfortable place. And since then, I, I've surged up and I've surged down. And, you know, for example, today I work four days a week. The girls work five days. That's our official structure. Um, so I think it, it was crucial for us to recognise and respect that our appetite for work will change. You know, if we're in this for another 20 years, there will be times where we, we will surge up and down as long as the business can still function. Yeah. We started this business for, I mean, it's quite hilarious in hindsight, we wanted a better work-life balance. Um, and for me, that is one picture here. And for these two, it's another picture. And and for Bonnie and Lana, that better work-life balance is still working five days or six days, but being in control of it. And yeah. working for yourself and making more money. Exactly. Hopefully. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, interestingly, <laughs> yeah. for, me, for me, you know, when I really look back at it, I didn't change careers or change jobs for a better work-life balance. It really wasn't it. It was that I wanted a more satisfying career um, because my career defines me. It really does. I don't cook. I'm never in the kitchen. I'm a terrible cook and I'm a terrible mum in that regards. I don't provide for the family from a food angle. <laughs> but but you've got a phone, you got a direct phone call to Uber. But, yeah. But, but her, children, her children eat. Yeah, yeah they just, do because I've got a great Do you know the problem husband. there is where we live, we don't get Uber. Yeah, well, that's where you live. Yeah, that's why I so, live in the city. Exactly. Yeah. But for me, it was about having a really satisfying career. And after 15 years in corporate, it was just no longer ticking the box for me. I wasn't feeling satisfied. I was feeling like I had my hands tied behind my back and I was being measured on results that I couldn't do anything about. So what I loved was the opportunity to build something myself, but not alone. So with two really important people. And that's what I really wanted in the end. And, you know, the idea of working three days a week, quite frankly, for me, I just would feel like I don't know who I am. I'm, I don't know who I am if I'm working three days a week. I'm not me. I'm not Lana. I'm Lana if I'm working five days a week and loads of discretionary effort over that. That's me. And that's what I wanted to get out of the business. And so I've... I've never felt like the work-life balance thing in the end was yeah. really my priority. So it's interesting your – I mean, I think our listeners should should take note of this. You know, you've got three strong personalities, all of whom bring strength and weaknesses to their business, which is, you know, renovating houses and a whole lot of other stuff around it. Um, I mean, we all sort of listen to all their strength and weaknesses, but at the end of the day, it's not going to work unless you have um, something that governs it. Yeah. Um, the ladies are talking about, um, you know, having a COO, CEO who sort of at this stage now is uh, probably someone who can govern the whole business and the relationship. But I think the shareholders agreement is a really important one, you know. And you know, I always encourage when there's more than one person in business to have a shareholders agreement. And But also the shareholders agreement is not just about agreeing, um, you know, who's got what shares, et cetera, but it's also – and agreeing processes, but it's also agreeing how you share the load and how you share the outcomes. And uh, and that takes some time to evolve because, you know, people's lives change. And as long as everyone is in agreement at the beginning, um, then they know what to expect. If You know, if Erin decides she wants to work less hours, she's going to get paid less, but she's going to balance it off against spending more time with the family. I mean, that's what I mean by work-life balance. The other thing, so we, we solve, or you solve that, guys, by being practical mm. and then employing a lawyer who gave you a, a shareholders agreement, which mm. they can be very stressful things. It's a bit like a prenup. Um, mm. You know, like a prenup is sort of in your face. Yeah. You know, like uh, This yeah. was too. Yeah, no, totally. It's mm. in your face. So uh, 
Yeah, but it's a good thing. If you survive a prenup, you're probably going to survive marriage. And if you survive a um, shareholders agreement negotiation, you'll probably survive the business and all the other ups and downs. The, but the other one I want to talk to you about, and I raised Aaron with you before, is uh, this concept of how do you balance ambition? So everyone's got mm. different ambitions. So my, my I suspect that Lana's uh, ambitions are maybe greater than the others. Mm. Um, they're maybe. actually different. Well, they're different. They mm. might, but they might be more intense. Yes. Yeah, so. Intensity is a good word. Intensity yeah. is a really yeah. important concept to get balanced as well as your work-life balance. You've got to balance intensity. You've got to balance all the emotions. And mm. there's three women here. Mm. You've got to get those emotions. <laughs> Jesus, I've already started on a really bad note. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I can already see. I sort of get uh, a sense of all who you guys are. Um, mm. And uh, how, do you, how do you resolve that one, uh, in balancing the ambitions? I mean, how, mm. how do you do that? Because it's got to be the ambition of the business, not the ambition of each individual. And, mm. I mean, you that that has it's another one. It has evolved over time. You know, as Lana said, our business started. We were flipping homes. That's what we were doing: purchasing a home, renovating it, selling it, making a profit. You know, mm. ideally, that was the business model. It's moved so far beyond that now that I don't even know what that is anymore. You know, like mm. that is our, that's our vehicle in which we do everything else now. Us renovating a home is the vehicle in which everything else comes off that now. So um, I think what's happened is an opportunity arises. The three of us assess that opportunity and therefore that's when that ambition. Is it an opportunity or is it an idea? No, it's an opportunity. So someone. Yes, someone, someone presents an opportunity to you. Yes, yeah, right. Okay, so that's pretty much what's what's happened. I mean, some of, in saying that, no, you're right. There are ideas, you know, like we started the Reno School this year, based on wanting to be able to tell lots and lots of people and educate lots of people about renovating. That's our idea. But then there's opportunities that arise, you know, in many different forms: books, TV shows, whatever it might but be. But who presents this stuff to you? Like, where, oh. where, like how does that work? Because you know, like, you're, people are going to be saying, "Oh, wow, these guys are doing fantastic!" Blah mm. blah. And they've got all this, they're doing this and that, and the other, and Instagram followers, and they're doing education programs. But it, what listeners want to know is, is that an ID that gets created internally or is that someone, because you're doing so well, people come to it's you and an say, what about that? Yeah, look, I'd have to say um, the organic opportunities that come across our path and, and usually into my inbox because that's where we sort of funnel it now is mind-blowing. And I know from the career I used to work in how hard it was to get editorial, to get opportunities, to get people interested. You had to be out there pushing. It just comes to us, really, and I think it's just off the back of we've created a really relatable brand um, with an audience that is um, a lot of people want to talk to, you know, the main grocery buyer, the mum next door, and we've we've got those um, women really interested in what we've got to say. about. They're engaged. They're engaged about mm. something that Australians love, which is real estate and property and home improvement. And, you know, it's just the opportunities just come in. And honestly, I was saying to Bonnie just yesterday, God, it's so hard having to say no to all these people. Um, all, there's so many things. We've had, uh, I'm not exaggerating, Mark, um, up to at least 30 offers of TV shows here and abroad from production companies and networks all combined. And we keep saying no to them for a particular reason, but it's sort of um, that's whereas all of our audience says, girls, don't worry, you'll get your TV show one day, yet they don't know that, in fact, we've had those offers and we've said no for a different reason. And so the opportunities are just vast and wide and coming fast and it's working out what do we want to do, what can we handle, 
what's not going to tear the company apart by us saying yes to something that sounds great, but it's going to stretch us yeah, beyond. I was just saying much. to Bonnie yesterday, look, mm. that's a great idea, but how are we going to get it done? Mm. It's going to kill us. We've got this, this, and this already on the schedule. Actually, I, I, you, don't strike me as, well, you didn't strike me mm. as being the practical one. Um, mm. Because I actually would have thought, because we're talking about balancing ambition, I would have thought you might have been pushing, you might have said, oh, fuck it, we'll do it anyway. Sometimes, yes, but then I also know these two and I know that to get the best out of Bonnie creatively, I can't put too much on her plate that has her stretched where then a really important project that's the most important suffers because I've got her doing something over here that is a nice to have but isn't really important. And so, I, you know, as much as I want to do that, I also have to understand what can the company handle? And that's also where our CEO comes in as well. And sometimes Bonnie wants to do something that she thinks, well, this is great, this is great. And I've got to say, I don't think the size of prize is there. It's not a big enough opportunity. So, so how, maybe that's what I want that. to get. That, that's that individual ambition of the business. How do you balance this up? Do you just, do you just chat about it or do, who, who, who? We talk. Yeah, we talk. Yeah. We, do. we do a lot there's of talking. Three of you, so there's, mm-hmm. if you go to a vote. <laughs> we discuss and we don't usually ever, ha- I don't think there's, there's probably one occasion where we've ever gone, well, look, it's too on. You know, yeah. usually we get to, mm. we all get to the same place and it's just through discussion and communication, really being open-minded as to, you know, I might come in exactly like Lana said, with a really gun-ho idea that I really think is going to work. I'll talk through it with the two girls and, you know, I'm open to that changing. It's being open. Mm. And we usually come to the same conclusion. I think that's the thing is that if we put all the things out on the table and, and then we say, well, look, let's just look at the schedule and we look and we say, you're right. There's no way we can fit in another project on top of that. Um, or we say, you know what, this new idea is so much bigger than that one that's already there. Let's, Let's knock kick it off. that one out and put this one in. We usually get to that same place. And for big discussions, we have, you know, directors meetings once a month, um, which our CEO runs. And that's where we'll have those big discussions and say, hang on, guys, this is more important. And she also really helps now where if, you know, she'll say, look, guys, this is my recommendation as your CEO. And she's really good. And we usually oh, say, you know what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's probably less emotional than everybody else. I mean, she's, yeah. it's just, yeah. She's even mm. keel, man. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, well, what, uh, what, what I've, I'm going to go to the break, but what, what's been fantastic here for our listeners is to understand how dynamics work and how personalities work and, um, you know, how three individuals got together. And because I, I think that's the underpins the success of a business. I mean, if you don't have that, I don't give a shit how good your ideas are and mm. I don't care how skilled you are, it won't work. As three individuals I'm talking about. Um, you know, it might work if there's one person, but it might work if there's three. When we come back from the break, what I want to talk about is your. I want you to quickly take me through one of you, not three of you, to quickly take me to, to quickly take me through what was your business model and what is it today. So give me the the five parts of your business model. You know how you make money basically, or your business and financial model. So we we'll go to the break and we'll be back shortly. Well, good morning to Matt Holland for Mentor.Business. Mate, this week, what business do you got for sale? We've actually got two this week. Um, might be sold as a group. So uh, a couple of very interesting bars. Um, they're very hot property. One seller, one through. vendor though. Yeah, one vendor. Right. A couple of bars located on the northern parts of Sydney. Can't give you any more detail on that because we, we can't give it away. It's always confidential. But, but they're uh, licensed premises. Licensed premises doing a great trade. Yeah, uh, food or? Yeah, food. You know, a, t- a very typical bar, uh, you know, night night spot. And uh, how long they've been in business for a while? Or current owners owned um, both between three and five years, but um, there's a big history of these uh, businesses as well. So and they're well-known branded bars. Well-known, I mean, like, everyone in the 
area, wherever that area is in the North Shore, they'd know who they are. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's a, it's a well-patronised sort of environment. And, and what sort of money are they talking about? Can we know that? Yeah, absolutely. So we're looking about at $2 million for the group, and they work very nicely as a, as a group because obviously there's there's advantages with buying and staff and, and movements and so on. So as a group, you've got about a $5 million turnover, uh, looking for about $2 million, uh, as an asking price, um, and a seven fifty profit to the owner. I mean, they're making seven hundred fifty thousand dollars profit. Yep, absolutely. Wow. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. And they're and they're looking to sell for two million. Around the two million mark. Well, it's yeah. interesting. If you bought a house for two million and you wanted to rent it out, you're not going to get seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year return. So, uh, just sounds like a pretty good return on a you know on a reasonable investment. Two million gets you seven fifty a year. I don't mind. I like the sound of that. If you're buying real estate, you're getting five percent premium. Seven fifty is about forty percent premium. So that's a pretty good return. All right, Matt. Well, thanks very much. Now, if you want to sell your business, uh, go to Matt Holland at mentor.business or if you want to buy a business, go to mentor.business and have a look what Matt's got for sale. And if you just want to ask him, how do you sell your business? What's the best way to sell your business? Go and check it out. Talk to him and I'm sure he's going to look after you and put your business on the map for sale and get it done quickly. Thanks, mate. See you next week. Thanks, Mark. Okay, well, I'm back with Erin, Lana, and Bonnie, and they are from Three Birds Renovations. And what I guess what I mean we were talking about was the dynamics and how they all interact and what the strengths and weaknesses are and how they manage their various ambitions and um, willful ways. Uh, <laughs> and I think we probably cover that off. And I think where I want to go now is I would like to ask one of you, and you guys choose, in a sort of a pricey, give me a pricey of, where your business was in terms of how you started from where it is today, what, what does it look like? What did it look like and what's it look like? And maybe a quick one word about the evolution. Who's going to talk about it? I've got a funny feeling it's going to be Lana. Yeah, yeah. Pink jacket over there. The, the bright pink jacket, yeah. Mm. So where we started, Mark, was uh, just the three of us working part-time and trying to make money out of being little mini property moguls, little property developers. Let's get a property, buy, renovate, sell it, and share the profit. And that was going to be our business model. Um, on the side of that, after the, as we started the first one, Bonnie's like, well, hey, we should just share it with our friends and family. They'd love to see what we're doing on Instagram. So we just started to post day one of the reno, day two, day three, and our family and friends just followed that. And then after we finished the first house, um, it actually turned out really nice. We did it on time. It looked beautiful. I had no idea Bonnie had any talent in design whatsoever. Turns out she's pretty good. So that was a, a great tick. We sold at auction. I think we made about... 30 grand each. Mm. Once we split it, we're like, okay, what's the next one? And then it just, as we shared it on social media and we'd go to the school gates to pick up the kids, you know, which was a great benefit being able to be there at three o'clock in our business. Um, and the mums at the gate said, what are you doing now, Lana? I know you left your corporate job. And I said, oh, I'm renovating houses with my two best friends. And they're like, oh, you're living the dream. I said, am I? They said, this is everyone's dream. Quit your corporate career, work with your two best friends, renovating properties for a profit. Wow. I rang the girls. Girls, did you know we're living the dream? I actually did. Yes. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. I said, I didn't know that. Aaron. <laughs> no. Let's, let's uh, turn that frown upside down and let's enjoy this, right? But very quickly, it just evolved from us being little property developers into actually inspiring and empowering other people, in particularly women like ourselves, in particular the mums next door, where they were clearly, via what they were saying on social media, getting inspiration from us on a few levels. One, they just loved the design, the transformation, because, you know, people love transforming homes. They loved seeing the friendship that friends in business together 
They loved seeing that we'd walked away from the careers we had and tried this and that we had no qualifications or experience to succeed in this industry. We came with none of that. You put all that together and all these women loved to follow our journey. And from there, our business evolved organically where all of a sudden our following exploded online. People were very interested in the properties we were doing. We're up to our second property and um, third property. And then partnerships started to come along where companies like paint companies, kitchen companies, flooring companies reached out to us and said, hey, can we chuck you a few free tins of paint? I remember the first time that happened, I rang the girls and I said, you wouldn't believe it. Erin, in the budget line, you can scrub out paint because I just scored us some free <laughs> paint. And, you know, every cent matters when you are renovating for profit, every cent matters. And, but very quickly that sort of grew to where then, you know, companies were sharing this, look, um, can we uh, do more than just give, give you paint? And can you actually help create some content for us um, to help educate people about how to use our product? And we're like, yeah, our audience wants to know about how to use your product. We want to teach them about that. In fact, we've just learned how to use your new decking product, for example. And so it all just very quickly snowballed to where more than just Instagram posts, we started creating video content. Um, we created an online show, which is on our YouTube channel. And from there, the, um, the sponsorship side of our business or partnership side became a revenue stream. And that was amazing because we can't, making videos is really expensive actually, you know, and yeah. once we got around to doing that really well, you know, it costs money and we needed to cover that. And so being paid to do that was helping us continue to create content. Then what evolved from that side of our business was that we had a lot of people on social media saying, can you please tell me which white paint is the best one to use? Can you please tell me what should I do with my kitchen? How do I get the results you girls get? How did you go into business? How did you, there were so many questions coming that you can't answer that all on Instagram. So we created the online reno school, which is 160,000 words. It's longer than 50 shades of gray, hopefully way more exciting. <laughs> um, Honestly, I didn't get through that book. Uh, and that is a What chapter did you get stuck on? Um, <laughs> I'm going to help you out here. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how it ends. Uh, and We all know how it ends. Uh, and so we created this, you know, this reno school where literally we put down everything we knew about how to design, renovate and style a home and how to sell it into a fun, interactive six-week learning course that you can do anywhere in the world and that was our way of actually helping really address the ambition that our, our business had, had turned into of inspiring and empowering women to get their dream home. And we couldn't do that just on social media. We had to create this new platform. And it and was a beautiful platform. Beautiful. Right? It looks like a magazine. It does. Mm. It's fun. There's humorous stories. And students pay for that course. And so that is it, so is it a subscription? I just want to quickly get to the model. So mm. is, is it a subscription payment or is it once it's, only? It's payment? a one-off. It's a one-off payment. It, it was at um, four ninety-nine and it's now at six ninety-nine, and they get lifetime access to the course. And then there's also an online closed community where we give them real-time feedback on their project, and the community helps everyone with their project. You know, which tile should I choose? This or this? Everyone votes. So they love that. Um, and then we also provide them with access to supply discounts from all of our supplies in the industry. So before you know it, you get a discount on your tiles and you've more than paid for the enrolment in the Renault School. So can I, can I just stop there? Can I just summarise then what you're saying? Because, mm. I mean, you're, you know your business, but I, I, if I just put myself in the shoes of, of the audience. So your business, you do renovate mm. homes or properties, et cetera. Got that. Um, but that was just you use that to entree you into building an audience. Mm. You 
and and a lot of these things they became, they were not only instinctive but they were evolutionary. You you realize all of a sudden, which you probably never set out to realize this, but you never. realize all of a sudden your audience is mums and single women or women yeah. generally looking to you to do what they consider to be the dream. Yeah. Mm. So you realize you're an audience, so you're going to try and build the audience. So you play to that audience, you worked out what the audience wants. They want whatever they want, you know, color, beauty, you know, th three women working together, the dynamics, how's that all work? How do you start off? Because everyone has the same ambition, by the way, you know, especially mm. if they're, if they're mums, they want to be able to pick their kids up after school, make plenty of money, have flexibility, tell the boss to get fucked. Um, <laughs> and, that was uh, a big one for me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so the, but then you realise, hang on, I've got, a, I've got a story here. So my audience is getting so big that advertisers, you call them sponsors, but I call them advertisers, it doesn't matter, they want a partnership with you to say, can we talk to your audience? And would you talk to your audience for us? So sort of not endorsing, but mm. sort of like influencer style uh, reaching out to the audience. So there's money in that and that pays a lot of bills. But to do that, by the way, anyone listening, you've got to have teams and you've got to have videos and you've got mm. to have people editing and you've got to, there's a lot of shit goes with that. It's the not beast. just something. You just don't just one day hold your bloody mobile phone up there and start taking films. I know how it works because it's a pretty bloody expensive process, but, you, you know, it's still a good business. It can be a good business. So someone has to watch the dollars and cents there. And then uh, finally you thought, hang on, people want to be educated. So you're really running an education, uh, an entertainment and education business for women, that's your audience, around uh, renovating homes and or all the products that go into renovations. And mm. you're, so you're playing to their ambition, you're playing to their aspirations, you're uh, fulfilling um, their desires in terms of that particular segment of the market and you're making money out of all the very parts of it. Is, is that a good summary of your business model? Yeah, yeah, that is. So which one of these, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on there. Um, and given where I originally asked you about your strengths and weakness, how do you divide that up amongst your, your, yourselves? Because you've only just appointed a CEO, haven't you? Oh, she's been with us for about two years. Oh, she's been there for a couple mm, of years. Okay. Yeah. So, but how do you divide that up? I mean, you guys in the business now or are you mm -hmm. sort of stepping back and you've got like 50 staff? How's it working? Yeah, we have staff now. That's evolved over the last few years. So we, we've got about a dozen staff who work um, in all these different aspects of the business. And which is the, which is the most heavy numbers-wise? So where have you got the most people sitting? Is it in the creative, in the film work and the all that editing? In, in sort of the marketing like, and sales Yeah, uh, is where the, the – the bulk, uh, most number of mm. people are. Sales meaning what? Because you're uh, not partnerships. Partnerships, okay. Yeah. So working with advertisers or people who want to promote their product through yeah. your to your audience. Correct. Because you've got a really good audience. You know, your audience is specific to what paint companies want, to what I don't know, hammers and nails and ladder companies want, or you know, bunnings or whatever. It's very specific. The people, you know, it's not like advertising on a television show and you're applying a spray technique and hoping, you know, you get through the channel channel so and so news. And you might see a million people there watching that show, but, you know, they might not be interested in renovating. No, it's highly targeted and they are very, as Bonnie said earlier, engaged with, with us. And we don't just do any partnerships. We say no to lots of brands that we don't see as a nice, authentic fit or that we don't love. You know, before we go and approach any partner or accept any partner, I talk to Bonnie, what do you think of this product? What and, and like a great, it out? sometimes she doesn't like me that much because I'll mm. just I will literally go and can't do it don't want to it's not I would never use it mm. would never use it in a house and, and we've how also do you had tell pushback story? we've also had pushback from trades so we've gone to trades which is my world to say we've got this product you know, this partner wants us to use it and we've had pushback to say that's not a great product 
I'm not aligned with it, so we'll take your advice and we won't align ourselves. When you ourselves. say trades, you go to the plumbers. A tradesperson who yeah, works you, for us. You go yes. to plumbers. That's, yeah. yeah, that's really important to mm. us. I mean, mm. I'm I'm not comfortable to go to sleep at night if I'm endorsing something that I truly wouldn't use in a house. Mm. So what? what, what, is, what so do you, you, this ethical, mm. your, so your own ethics, but I mean, mm. are you building an ethics um, story? I mean, are you trying to, do you tell a story in your various mediums and do you say, you know, we only appoint ethical, we only talk about ethical product suppliers or et cetera? We don't overtly do that. I think because we just from the, from so early on, we started Mm. to educate our audience about what we were using, whether we were being paid to or not. Mm. You know, we talk about Bunnings a lot. Bunnings aren't a partner of ours, but we talk about all these stores. Ikea, we talk about Ikea all the time. They're not a partner of ours. But then we also talk about um, things like Dulux and James Hardy, who are partners of ours. We we simply discriminate based on what do we love using and what does our audience want to know, whether we're being paid to do that or not. Um, and But we won't create content for Bunnings. We won't create content for Ikea, but we will for Dulux. And, and how do you charge them? I mean, how, how do you work out, okay, um, you're 400,000 people following you on Instagram, is that right? Yeah, mm-hmm. but, but over any month we'll reach 2.5 million people what across all of our platforms. Facebook, 100,000. Yep. YouTube, 100,000. Pinterest, 2 million. Yep. Pinterest, so, that's a big one in your industry particularly. Mm. So, and, okay, but how do you work out, because the people would be sitting and saying, oh, wow, if I could get myself up to 400,000 followers, which is, I guess, is sort of possible, um, they'd be saying, how do I, how much money can I earn from um, promoting a Dulux paint? I mean, they don't know how it works. How does it work? Look, you learn you as you go. There, there, is no, there is no handbook on it. We learned very slowly and very gradually. And like I said, at first it was just some free paint tints or, you know, a, a kitchen cabinet, but it just, it, it evolves over time and it, we, it completely depends on what that partner wants or what, what that partner needs or how much we've used that product in that house. And so we, we look at everything and we think, well, what, what do we think is a fair price for us to um, put to that partner and they can evaluate and they give it to their media company to evaluate and say, hey, is this good value for money working with three birds? And if it's not, that's fine. They don't need to. So work they with they us. put it to their media buyer. Yes. So I think, what people, I think people need to understand that that's how it works. So some mm. big organizations like Dulux, for example, um, they would approach you probably not in, from Dulux, would approach you through the media buyer. Mm. And the media buyer would um, say to one of you guys, um, look, we'd like to advertise our product on your various mediums. Um, and uh, you, they'd ask for data. Do they ask him for data? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So why don't you explain that process? Yeah, a well, little bit, like just yeah. top line stuff. No, look, if a partner comes, I say, look, we'd love to work with you. First thing I do is talk to Bonnie about, do we want to use this product? Do you love it? Often she'll say, like with Sky on Walls, I've been dreaming about this product my whole life. I love it. We're going to be using it anyway. Let's do this. And we say, great. So then we share with them, look, here is what we can offer you. It has to be integrated into one of our properties. We don't just go and do individual posts and promos. It's got to be part of what we're doing, part right. of the renovation, yep. that integral makes sense. to it. Yep. And then we say, look, we're going to, but you're going to be in our show. We can make some how-to videos for you, how to spray an Ikea table using Dulux spray paint. We'll teach our audience the how-to. We can we write blog posts. We can create content for your platforms if you like. We provide them with a suite of deliverables that they then evaluate and say, yeah, okay, well, look, if this many million people are going to get reached with that message and the price you've suggested, that represents really good value for us. We're in for three houses, the next three houses. And, what and we'll pay you. Yes, and we'll, we'll so, pay so you. So when, when you do that, though, um, I guess I want you to try and tell the audience if you're able to or prepared to, is you need to get a sense of what it's worth. Um, I mean, you can't just say, well, give me 100000 or give me 
because you might be overselling it. And if you say, give me a thousand, you might be underselling it. And the media buyers, they're, they're formulaic. I mean, media buyers, they work on data and they want, they say reach. And I mean, I remember in television days, you know, they'd say, well, the tarps are blah, blah. Mm. And, you know, was, who does that here in this group? And uh, how do you work it out? I mean, how, how do you work that shit out? Yeah, well, it's Lana. it's it's me and the people that work with me are those other staff that we talk about. Um, they're working on it right now or we're in here. There's the people working on that right now, pulling together the information to give to those companies. Um, and, you know, nowadays you've got great Google Analytics. We've got um, a program called Iconosquare that pulls together all of this data for us all the time, monthly. We know exactly what we did in the month of July in terms of reach. Yeah, report um, comes out every impressions, month. Impressions, you know, we see that in uh, one month we'll get 14 million impressions on Instagram of the content we've put out there, which means views. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are my mum watching it over and over <laughs> and over again, but we let the companies know that. Um, they can take 10% out. But they evaluate that and we, we just know the value we're providing that, and you do test it. I've put some crazy numbers out to a company once and I just kept a straight face in the meeting and I waited and I set a number and they all looked across the border into each other and I was- Because they don't know. No, <laughs> and, and, and that, that's where the lack of, the, I, I don't fear their response on that at all. Let's just see what they say. And, um, and at the end of the day, we only do work that we're comfortable doing and if someone wants too much- for too little. We just don't have time. We can't do it. It's just, it's not, it's not worth it to us. So we also have what's worth it to us. We're evaluating that. And so you have a reasonless check. Yes. That, that's yeah. your reasonless check. You know, like it doesn't matter if that's the market, it's not worth it to us. So, exactly. So you make that reasonless check because, and, and, I, and I quickly want to talk about something. I mean, like everyone says, like you, know, you see some people who are just starting off a business and they're trying to do all their Instagram, et cetera, and it's a punish and it's, it is hard work. Um, you you said iconosphere. I mean, how do you guys? Do you, you obviously schedule? Do you schedule all your um all, all your posts? So yeah. what are you using for scheduling? So what what app are you using for scheduling? A, a program called Co Schedule. Co Schedule. Yep. Uh, we use that. But then is that it, is that um is that photographic posts or does it include video posts? That it, it, you can do video posts, but really, to be honest, it's there's no Too perfect hard. app we found. Yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I think there are some issues out there about video posts, especially mm. the 60 second videos, because yeah. they, they, they're really meant for photographic stills yeah. and they're and with a, a narrative across the front. Um, yeah. You've got to do a lot manually. Mate. Yeah. There's no killer app out so there. So, you guys are doing these things. Do you do, you do your uh, video post manually? Do you have something to We upload them manually, yeah. but we have a, a little. You put them in the calendar manually, yeah. but then you up, do you upload it onto the your Instagram manual as manually, well. Manually, absolutely. Yep. And I don't, none of us do because we might be here with you, Mark, and a post needs to go up right now. In fact, that will have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got a lovely group of two digital girls mm. up uh, near the Gold Coast, Sophie and Jenna, and they do that right. for us. But we align on the content prior. We're all across it. They are the ones uploading everything because we need to be in front of the camera, behind the camera, and we can't be that time specific. So, and, and, I, and the reason I was asking the question is because I mean, I, I sort of have a sense of how it all works because we do it ourselves. But I think people who are listening, audience are listening, they think, oh, wow, there's these three girls. Uh, they're uh, smashing it out. They've got the world's best life. Um, you know, they pick up the kids at 3 p.m. after school. Um, they make shitloads of money. Um, they've got a big audience. They're educating. They're doing everything, everybody. And it is the dream. They think it's the dream job, which it is. You you love it, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But equally, on the flip side of it, there is how many staff did you say, Erin? 12, about 12 a staff. Dozen. So you yep. got to pay wages every month. Oh, yeah. You got to pay rent somewhere. Rent. Um, uh, you've got costs, other costs associated with the business. Um, you've got all the ups and downs of everything. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a 
const- one of the things I've learned, and I, I interviewed Gary V last week. One of the things I've learned is it's about being prolific. And you, what, what I mean by prolific in your your game, particularly marketing your marketing platform, is prolific means all the time. It's consistently, twenty four seven, every it's day, all the time, all day, or as it's, often as I you go can. to sleep at night, mm. and I'm just. Mm. All the time. Yeah, prolific, Constantly. prolific. And it's yeah. prolific answering people's uh, comments, prolific um, you know, liking other stuff. Uh, Never prolific stops. Pro- providing uh, more content. And it's not for the faint-hearted. It's and not. It, you've got to have people. You, you say you've got two people on the Gold Coast doing this sort of stuff for you, but mm. someone's got to check them. Someone's got to manage them. Mm. Someone's got to say, oh, hang on, what you put that up there for? That's rubbish. Uh, take it down. Put something else up. So prolific requires a shitload of energy. And and in my playbook, I talk about the energy of a business, and energy of a business to me is like that's in chapter nine. Chapter nine's about the most important for me, the most important thing. The thing Kerry used to always ask me, he said, "How's he? How's the business feeling?" That's what he said. Mm. Not how are you feeling, Mark. You should about how I felt. How's the business <laughs> feeling? And what he was talking about is what's the energy of the business like. And to him, energy or energy was like output, and uh, you know, like Gary V, prolific. The guy's mental. Um, it's why he's the best marketer in the world, one of the best marketers in the world today. Um, you guys are prolific. Mm. I mean, I've looked at some of the stuff you put out. It is, it's constant and, and it's on. It's always on message, mm-hmm. prolifically on message. Where does the energy come from? Because to me, energy is a combination of two things, the velocity at which you work, speed, multiplied by mass. Mass is your content. So the content there. You've got a lot of shit you can push out. I get that. But where do you get the speed from? I mean, you're all running at different speeds. I can what, see individually? Mm. Where do we business. get it from? Where does business oh, where get the business? Speed? Does, it come, does, it, does it start with you? Yes. It does. Yes. Yeah, it, And absolutely. it filters down into the business. And it comes to when you're recruiting someone, you're not going to get someone who's, like Erin here looks pretty chill, but I'd say there's a lot of movement under the water. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot. <laughs> so how do you make this assessment <laughs> of the that's right? That's actually me, yes. How do you make this assessment? Because I, I get this question all the time. How do you make this assessment when you're going to work, when you're building your people up? How do you work out of this? Has this individual got the speed to deliver the content to keep the energy going that we need to stay ahead of everybody else? Look, that's a tough one because, mm. and, and do you know what? I think um, so far within our business, all of the people that we've hired, we've known really well. What about well. when you get to 30 people? Yeah, mm. don't know about that. We're not there yet. What are you thinking? I mean, what do yeah. you, what do you, how does it? Uh, well, I, I understand what you're saying, but at the moment where we're at now, we've known everyone that's pretty much come on board. We've either, either worked with them in a past life mm. or we have some association with them. So we know that energy already, whether they've got it or not. The next 15 people, yeah, it's a great question. And it's, I suppose, it's a harder thing when you're interviewing to know that. So will you Intrig- keep your hands on all the interviews? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Culture is really important. Yeah, we talk cult, about yeah. culture. It's a, it's a word that comes up a lot um, at, at this level and with our CEO. Mm. Um, creating and maintaining a certain culture within our business is important and it's about that. It's fast-paced. It's ever-changing. Mm. It's what, probably one of the biggest challenges we face with a lot of our staff is is um, carrying them through the ever-changing evolution of our business. One week we're flexible. here, next week we're here. We have a director's yeah. meeting and we've got projects here and they've all shifted. Mm. And so that's constantly changing. So that's challenging, but we we are taking our staff on that ride and that's something we will look for in future staff to be adaptable, to be mm. flexible, yeah. to be fast changing. One of the things Gary Vanacek said to me last week on the podcast was that um, he often gets accused of changing his mind. And I actually, I do too. Um, mm. and, me too. And, and, but this, but, and I think, so I, I, think, I, think I always need to hear it. this. Yeah. Businesses today evolve so quickly because it's not the business, but the business has to evolve 
because of the environment's evolving really fast, especially when it comes to social mediums and all that format. I mean, social media to me today is nothing to do with that. Social is about building a community who you can educate and entertain. That's what you guys are doing, okay? So, but it moves so fast, you have to keep reassessing. And your reassessing might mean, might look to an outsider, you change your mind, or to a staff member, or to a family member, or to a shareholder, or to a, you know, a co-worker or a colleague, et cetera. Um, what do you say to people about that? Uh, is, do you, is that your experience? Changing your mind to, is basically that is 100%. It, it is, yeah. and, and, it, and we do it for the right reasons. I mean, yeah. sometimes mm. even Erin will say, oh, okay, so Lana, last week you told me this. Now you're telling me this. And I say, yes, that's right. And it is different to what I told you last time. Is it time. in a bitchy poo sort of way? No, or... no, 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 I think, no, I think no, it's... no, 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 gotcha. Don't, no, 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 I'm no, no, joking. No, no, when we do that, Mark, no. we send a certain emoji that's just a thumbs oh, up emoji that we know is really the outdoors emoji. It's really fuck you. Um, <laughs> she accused me of that one day, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Every time apparently I send this, she thinks I really mean this. Yeah. And? And I don't. Can, can have, no, oh, I genuinely don't because no, I send that to everyone. No, when I when I send that, I mean that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah I'm very late to the game Stop with all these emojis. Stop being so emojis. nice, Aaron. It's not fair. No, no, but that, that change thing, um, absolutely, Mark. Mm. In that, and I think Erin is someone who has come yeah. a long way where she now understands that is that is a good thing, and that I need to expect that expect that and embrace it, and not think, no, hang on, I want to stick with what we said four weeks ago. Mm. But, We've got new information from four mm. weeks ago. Mm. You know, when we write job descriptions, one of the, the girls that works with me, we're trying to write a job description. It, we've been trying for six months, but it keeps changing before we can put the ink on it and say that's what the job is. Um, but that's good, and I do believe it's the it's for the right reasons we keep changing. If we want to just keep holding ourselves to what we said last month or, or six months ago, sure, if that's for the right reasons we hold there, but let's discuss why it's now changed. And, you know, there was one time where we went and sold into all of our partners. We're going to do four houses a year. It's called the four more plan. <laughs> and then that never happened. And then it's like, whatever happened to the four more plan, Lana? It's like, we couldn't do the four more plan. <laughs> we realised, no, it's two. It's two houses now. Two's enough. Yeah. The two's enough plan. Two's yeah. enough. But you <laughs> know it was what? a brilliant selling. There was it, an internal brilliant selling and we're all on board and we yeah. went for it and then and, and, and then it didn't happen and we're like, okay, well, let, what's next? But, and, so, but that's and I, okay. And I, and I guess, guys, I think what – because I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask me one question if that's okay with you. But, I mean, I think that um, what the audience needs to hear is, is, is this. It's okay to change your mind. Yeah. As long as it's backed up by, you know, solid mm. data and solid reasons and assumptions and et cetera. It's okay to change your mind. It's okay to change your mind from day to day to week to week to month to month um, and or, um, you know, from from year to year. So that's really important and uh, you guys are probably a, a perfect example of it. I could talk all day but what I want to know is do you have one question for me because uh, unfortunately I have to get out of the studio because someone else wants to do a podcast <laughs> and uh, my time is up. So what one question and who's going to ask it have you got for me? I, I'm not going to give you three, just one. No, no, Lance, Lance has got a question for you. Oh, okay. No, well. We just thought that, you know, you've heard from us for the last 45 minutes or so, uh, Mark, and, you know, you've you've written a book, I've got it, um, uh, you say lots of great things on your social platform. Having heard about our dynamic, our business, you know, what would be your one piece of advice for us for the next step and the next phase of growth in our business from just your fresh eyes? Yeah, that's a good one. I, well, I, my fresh eyes tell me you are, um, you know, in a rising tide. So what's great about that is that um, everybody wants to do the sorts of things that you guys are doing. In other words, renovate their home. So as a result of that, um, you're you're building a fantastic audience, but I think you can build an even bigger audience. And I, I would actually start to consider, I think you need a TV show. Now that doesn't mean 
TV screens come in many formats, one mm. of which is in my hand here. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be like your normal monitor you buy from Harvey Norman. Um, I think a, a TV show would be very, very valuable for you um, because I think you need to increase your audience from half a million to say a million or two million or something like that. And I, I think your rising tide that you're in this renovation gap, particularly now the interest rates really low, people can afford to buy houses, people have got lots of equity in the home so they can afford to borrow some extra money to do the renovation. Um, and the how-to stuff is a skill that you learned, everybody wants to know about. So for me, you guys just could, should continue on to entertain and to educate, but build your audience. And I think TV, now I wouldn't, I wouldn't go mainstream television unless it was in Netflix or something like that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go, I'm not going to say the channels, but I wouldn't do that because you're up there competing against, let's say you compete against the block. You're talking about a 20 week show, they're throwing $30 million of production costs against it. Um, and you probably won't get paid. Um, and they will give you some sort of deal. It's sort of in program. It, yeah. They don't really need you. Like, so, and you're up against massive big shows. So you're, you're really in a big arm wrestle where they're the incumbents where I'd be trying to do is sneak up on them and I'd be trying to do it through the YouTube channel. I'd be running my own YouTube TV show. That's what I'd be doing. And I, I would, I, I don't know if you guys follow him, but look at Gary V. Yeah, I like Gary V. So, I like the cut of his jib. To, will you have a look? Well, I'm not sure what that means, but uh, have a look, have a have a look at, uh, I've never heard it called a jib before. Yeah, I think it's a sailing <laughs> reference. Okay. So, no, uh, but but look, look at look what he does. He's on YouTube and he takes the same stuff from his podcast and puts it on YouTube and he takes the same stuff from his YouTube and puts it back on a podcast. He's built his own TV empire. The guy's a television star, but just on a different format. Yeah. And that's you three, perfect, three women, female audience. I'll guarantee you, I don't know the numbers, but if you look at all those renovation shows, I'll bet you females are a big part of it, a massive part of it. You could steal it. There is no one doing it. You could own it. You probably do own it. You probably would be the preeminent ones right now mm. to do this. Yeah. And uh, unless someone threw shitloads of money at you and it was MGM out of the United States or someone like that or, you know, Mark Burnett, who's now the chairman of MGM in the United States, unless he threw something at you with a, where you bought into the concept. I'll give a good example. Donald Trump mm. owned a percentage of The Apprentice because Mark Burnett put it together with Donald Trump. So The Apprentice was put it was on in 25 countries. Every time I did a series of The Apprentice, I was paying Donald Trump money. And uh, so I got a feeling that don't underestimate yourselves, this could be something you could transport somewhere else. And yeah. I, I would be looking at those, those United States environments, those mm. big production companies over there, and I would be moving, you know, it's a small pond here. I'd be looking for a big pond. Mm. Like Ladies, it. Got it. thanks like very much. It. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. 